Hey folks, welcome to a podcast about Catholic things. This is Eric, the Ambassador of Common Sense, and I'm here with... I'm Dan, the Ambassador of Nonsense. Hello everyone. And speaking of nonsense, the beer of the week is Three Floyd's Gumball Head. Uh, Three Floyd's is a brewery in Munster, Indiana. And uh, on the Gumball Head can, by the way, Gumball Head is a wheat beer. Uh, so not your typically barley and I'll be honest, wheat beers generally are not my favorite, but this one's pretty good. Uh, the can, uh, all of three Floyd's beer art is interesting. This one features what looks like an angry looking cat holding a uh, cigarette in the corner of his mouth. And he's got a great big, uh, splat of bubble gum for a nose. And on it's the like side a, of the can, it says it's not normal. It's like a like a emoji almost like yeah yeah like some kind like of weird an emoji angry emoji yeah so and and these are not normal times so uh mm-hmm. okay i i guess it's not too bad i say that about all the i either say they're terrible or they're not too or, bad <laughs> but you liked you, one of them the other week i did like that uh the one that aged in the bourbon barrel I think. Well, there was that, and you kind of liked the uh, busted knuckle too the week before. Oh yeah, yeah, I did like that. <clears throat> this is—I uh, don't know—it's got kind of a weird aftertaste. I don't—I don't really know how to explain it. But see, well, you know what this, I found? I, what? I've been—I've um, been training myself to be a connoisseur of uh, beer liquor mixes. So, like. Just like half a shot of some kind of liquor in certain beers kind of just slightly changes the flavor profile. I mean, you're not, I'm not talking about like adding enough to make the beer truly potent or anything like that. Um, but, and, and, and like IPAs, I tend to like a little bit of rum. This one actually tastes good with a, with a tiny little, uh, bit of gin in it. Well, I don't have any gin. And if I did, I probably still wouldn't. You have some uh, rubbing alcohol? It tastes the same. I could, I'll pour in some rubbing alcohol and let you know how that tastes. That's what gin tastes like to me is rubbing alcohol. (laughs) That's what what? Gin? That's what gin, gin, yeah, that's what gin always tastes like to me is rubbing alcohol. That's what Jason drinks is rubbing alcohol. (laughs) He He calls it gin there, doesn't he? Yeah, he calls it gin. (laughs) Well, okay, so uh, I'll link the gumball uh, thing up there. And of course this week we're... uh, there's still plenty of COVID-19 because we're still not working. Um, yeah. But I guess we get to that later. I, the subject this week is going to be pornography, which is something I, I'm surprised we haven't done one on this until now. And Me too. I think, we've kind of danced around it a little bit. We've, we've touched on it with some of our other ones, but we've never focused an episode on it. Yeah. And I, I think specifically I, I want to do uh, pornography addiction this mm-hmm. week. Um, okay. And how it uh, re- how Catholics can deal with it because um, there's surprisingly little information out there on it. I you think there's a lot because everybody's got a radio show about it, but oh right, there really isn't much. And I'll explain I'll explain that later. Okay. Okay. Well, um, you know, you've, you've got to admit, it's one of those topics that people may be a little bit trepidatious talking about, especially in a uh, publicly aired kind of s- situation. Um, 
yeah. mean, once in a while you'll hear a priest mention it from the pulpit. Um, but it's, uh, you know, things relating to sexuality in general, the, the, you know, there, there's a sort of, uh, we've, we still carry this, this kind of sense that, oh, okay, that's not something that you just come out and talk about in, in right. polite society. And of course, uh, I guess with having introduced the subject, you would know by now, uh, probably not a, a kid's subject. Right. Parents, if, yeah, you might want to we'll probably take say a things you wouldn't want to explain to your kids. So maybe don't listen to it while you're driving your kids to school. Oh, wait a minute. You can't drive them to school right now. They can't okay, go to school right now. driving your kids to the grocery. That's right. You're not even allowed doing that. If you go to the grocery store, you got to go alone. I don't know. This is crazy. Yeah. It's um, nuts. We'll get back to it. Here's the thing about pornography and pornography addiction. Uh, go back 10, maybe 15 years. And okay. it was on every single... Catholic, every single Catholic radio station were doing shows on it. And a lot of people were talking about it. Mm -hmm. And two things on that. First of all, very few people outlined any kind of real plan for guys who are addicted to pornography. So an actual treatment would, plan. So if you were addicted to pornography at the time, you, uh, and wanting to quit, you looked around and looked around and everybody talked about it. Everybody gave you information, but information as far as, well, how do I stop looking at it? Um, that wasn't out there. And another thing about this, 10 or 15 years ago, people were all saying the same thing, that, that pornography suddenly got really huge because... You know, before that, a guy, if he wanted to look at pornography, he went to a store and he had to buy it and it was embarrassing. And now suddenly oh, it's in our homes right. and guys are looking at it without having to go out and get it. Mm -hmm. And because of the way we are, the because of the way we were raised, guys who are starting to have a problem with it are not talking about it because right. it it's... It's it's just secret. If it's a, it's a secretive thing, mm -hmm. but this has changed over the past ten years. And for guys our age, it still is this way. But you talk to millennials, it's almost like no big deal to them. They don't mind talking so, about it. Okay, it's weird. It, yeah, that, that that certainly is weird. But let let me ask what you mean. Do you mean that they don't? It's like they're not even embarrassed about the the fact of it being out there, and even like the the idea of uh, looking at it regularly, or that they don't mind talking about it as a sickness and an addiction. Uh, both a little bit, but mostly the fact that the younger uh, crowd doesn't mind admitting that. Yeah, I look at it. Yeah, I. Uh masturbate yeah I, it, it's it, and i maybe even i do it uh every day or every other day and you'll that find younger people are are talking this way a lot more and so on the one hand it these problems can be discussed on the other hand uh a lot of, millennials of normalization have, of the behavior yeah they, they've lost their sense of shame mm -hmm. which i right. i don't I'm not saying shame is good, but a, a you should be a little bit embarrassed about 
about your sins, you know, any sin. Yeah. But yeah, well, it seems sins, like this but, one more uh, than others. Well, you so, know, it's it's even, yeah, there should be. And, uh, you know, even like in, when you look at the scriptures, um, like St. Paul talks about sexual sins. And even... We kind think. Of, you know, interesting. Well, we're pretty sure. I, I mean, I, I read a... It like seems like a sexual sin well, that he's talking about. I mean, he he says the, something, uh, fettering of the flesh or something like that, right? Is that well, what he you're talks talking about? about? When he talks about immorality. Oh, okay. He uses the general in, term like immorality. Romans. But yeah, like in Romans, when he talks about immorality and, and that, you know, immorality, uh, you know, I forget exactly how he worded it, but, but <clears throat> you know, it, it, the manner in which it defiles you. But the thing is, I, I read kind of an exposition of the language used to translate that and how even with like the the slightly older biblical translations there there was an unwillingness to put it into the modern equivalent of the raw language that we find in the existing texts of his actual letters you're going to have in the to original languages that. so for example like he didn't use the, a generic um uh, term immorality. He used a term that explicitly re- referenced sexuality and okay. sexual immorality and and uh, you know adultery, fornication, and and things like that. Um, not just a, a sort of generic uh, euphemized term okay. of immorality. That, so he was he was more blunt, in other words, in his language and in in a lot of biblical translations don't carry that bluntness over. Now huh. this this is I, I this is an article that I read uh I forget exactly what magazine I read it in um but I I you know I if I had known you know um a week ago that we were going to be doing this I probably would have looked it up to Yeah <laughs> to I, it on I popped this on Danny like 20 <laughs> minutes before the phone call. He said what are we talking about? I said I don't know. How about this? All right. Yeah. It needs to be talked about though. Right. Um, you know, okay, the, the catechism only gives a couple brief reasons why pornography is a grave sin. Mm-hmm. Mostly it talks about, uh, it creating a fantasy and, and really that, that's really all but, it does know, talk about, but well, it, there's so I, much you know, more to it than that. Well, and I, and that's even an unsatisfactory answer because I know that, you know, for example, you know, you we did a couple of like like one of our first episodes we we kind of got on about how you know you you people go through life and they have these sort of sideline fantasies and and yeah um, yeah yeah stuff like that well okay and so are we gonna say well okay because it involves fantasies uh it's therefore wrong and that's the main driver of of the immoral immoral aspect of pornography. Well, no, that there's, right. there's something very unsatisfying in that kind of an answer. It's like, no, wait a minute. This this there's there's a there's kind of a magic, and and this is why the 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 shaming aspect, you know, should be is is kind of a a more healthy thing, even though maybe it's a good thing that people are able to talk about it more frankly these days but the um there's something magical about sex i mean right you know that 
the the end result of the process the and and the purpose of the process involves the creation of a new person that once created is there eternally forever right never going to never going to become uncreated it's not even like like with animal sex and and with with tree seed pollinations and stuff like that this it's right. you know, it's when not it like comes breeding. to human yeah no it's there's there's a there's a real eternal permanent consequence uh to the activity and so when you say okay but we're not talking about sex we're just talking about you know maybe viewing some pictures and and you know masturbating or whatever that's okay but it's still tied with that because what you're doing is you're going after all the the physical reasons that you go after sex and cutting off the mystical reasons why sex is created in the first place. Right. And there really should be an aspect of kind of shame to that. There, there, it ought to be something that you feel, Oh wait, I, you know, I've not only done something that is written down in a rule book somewhere that, that this is forbidden. Um, but I've, sort of misused something that is a a key instrument of human purpose right and it's it's Uh, in that sense that there should be that sense of uh of kind of wanting to hide away wanting to hide it and and just a feeling of horror at what you've misused Mm -hmm. um it, it you know it should make you ashamed in in the eyes of the public but in your own thoughts, there should be kind of a, a even a disgust of yourself. And I, I'm not talking about self-loathing. I'm talking about that the act itself should should uh, fill you with kind of a sense of dread. Like, oh, no, look what yeah. I'm doing. How could I have done that? How could I be doing this? How, you know, what? Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Why Why can't I do better why can't i you know as 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 strong for example as the desires and and so forth may be and and the passions you give yourself over to there should also be at least on the intellectual level a recognition of a the gravity sense of, of how momentous it is yeah how, how grave the the uh the subject matter is in in terms of human behavior and i i think part of that stems from the fact that we've I guess you could go all the way back to the 60s where uh, it was free love and the real, the raw power of sex somehow got overlooked. And right. And it still is, even though all the evidence of it being powerful is still there. I mean, people do terrible, terrible things because of sex. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, look at the human trafficking industry. Right. I mean, just the 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 fact that that's happening should make anyone realize how powerful sex is, and mm-hmm. and so that it it shouldn't be uh, something tossed around on the internet. It's uh, and, and we've lost that respect uh, and the awe that we ought to have for it. You know, another thing is that um, I I think it's something about men. We tend to we tend to dive into things. Like, never halfway. I guess sometimes we do oh. things halfway, but if we're really into something, we get yeah. There's a we oh, get okay. really into it. Like yeah. if you suddenly decide you want to collect 
stamps. Um, it's like, it's, yeah, full, it suddenly takes full over. Bore. Right. Right. And when you, when you see the yeah. power of sex. Like that, that's a good point. I mean, men like, you know, seeing, taking on the, the stamp. It's a, if a man, it gets to a point where he's going to collect stamps. He's going to go collect stamps. And he starts like, a man won't see a, an interesting stamp and say, oh, that's interesting. I'll keep this somewhere and maybe I'll see another interesting one somewhere and I'll, I'll, you know, acquire a collection. It's never like that. <laughs> right. He just, and you know, when I, we decide we're into something, we get into it all the way. Yeah. Even um, often he, to the point where it it's, um, we might ignore responsibilities. Right. Um, you know, a, a, uh, a man without being addicted might spend money that he shouldn't spend on, uh, I don't know, some baseball cards. Yeah. I, I've done those, es- kinds of especially things. when he's new to the hobby. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Have you, do you watch Malcolm in the middle? I've seen a few episodes. Every time I see it, it's funny, but I've never actually watched it okay. as a series. No. Throughout the series, how the the father he he mm-hmm. suddenly sees something or gets into something and and does this he goes way overboard about everything and he suddenly he's investing all his work time and all the time he has into this thing he did one on speed walking uh he did okay. one do you remember the 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 dance video games where you you step on things and dance dance revolution yeah, stuff yeah, yeah something I like that. he did one of those he, okay. He, there's a whole lot of them where he does this. I, I gotta stop you there. I'm just laughing because that I, Terry dropped her iron, you know, clothes iron, uh, at one point and it kind of busted it and it wasn't working. And she's saying, well, I think I need a new iron. This one's, you know, messed up this way and stuff. And so I took it and, um, managed to take it apart, like, all the way to the point where I was able to find the broken part, glue it, make it right, fix it, put it back together. And then she was upset with me because she, now she didn't get a new iron. But while yeah. I had it all the way apart, you know, a couple of the kids walked by and they just looked at it and they're like, you know, dad's gone nuts. And they showed me <laughs> this little clip of Hal. And I forget exactly what the sequence is. It's like he's going to change a light bulb. And he goes in a room, it's like, flips a switch, the light's burned out. So he gets the light bulb, and he uh, he's going to change it, and he, he goes into another place, and there's a thing that needs to be uh, cleaned out, and so he goes to another place and finds something. Oh, and, yeah, know, that's maybe, a... Out of, and he ends up with the car, and he hears, like, a strange noise in the car, and he's got, like, the engine apart, and then Lois yeah. walks in, and she's like, aren't you going to change the light in there? He's like, what do you think I'm doing? <laughs> what does that look like I'm doing? <laughs> That's the one. Yeah. That one is great. Yeah. But you're right. That, that's exactly how men are. You know, that, that, that's one of the things about some of those sitcoms like that is is the reason they're funny is is because they, they uh, hone in on those kind of true-to-life aspects of things. Right. You know, one of the, uh, you don't find a, you do find the saints writing about sex, but not a whole, whole lot. I bet you could find yeah. more of the saints writing on things like pride than on sex. Yes. 
In fact, the, uh, you know, when the Saints write about sex, it, it, what's interesting about the Saints who write about sex is that they often are, it, it's more like they don't quite know what to make of it because it's so magical, because it's so mystical. Right. Uh, St. Augustine actually held the theory that every act of sex has some element of sin to it because you give yourself over completely to a passion. Uh, Thomas Aquinas later felt like he needed to treat on that. He disagreed with St. Augustine and he had his reasons, but it, it's, it's, you know, when the saints write about it, it's, it's not like they, uh, are, are writing about it from the inside almost. Although, I mean, I know St. Augustine lived a somewhat, uh, we know um, he did, you know, the, the depraved and life Aquinas before he, be- you know, turned around. Aquinas never had the temp, I mean, he, he had the temptation the one time the, the, uh, you know, the, they have the, um, the story of the episode with, you know, when his brother sent a hooker in to try yeah. to seduce him. But, but since then it was said that he never, you know, experienced that particular temptation. When, and he which was probably better he was able the one... to talk about it than Augustine. <laughs> That's right. Right, right, exactly. Uh, because, but you're right. Uh, they... Fulton Sheen said that uh, sin is the one thing that we do not learn through experience. The more experience um, we have in sin, yeah. the less the less knowledge and understanding we have of it because we fool right. ourselves into thinking stupid things. Yeah, yeah, that's that's right. Experience... That's that's a case where when it comes to it's like the the opposite of you know wisdom of is born of experience but it, when it comes to sin it's like ignorance is born of experience kind of a, a um phenomenon going on right which is kind of interesting to to you know geek out philosophically for a minute here because you know I've been listening to to various uh, Thomistic Institute podcasts and stuff. And one of the things that, that once in a while they'll talk about, you know, in, in these philosophy podcasts is the, um, the problem of evil objection to like the existence of God and that kind of stuff. And one of the yeah. things that, that Catholic thinkers have, uh, have, um, sort of realized is this idea that, that everything that God created is good and therefore every evil that there is, um, even if it appears to be a positive act on the part of a person, every single act of evil uh, that a person can commit or participate in or experience is a uh, deprivation of a specific positive good that God wills. When you view it that way, it makes perfect sense that sin is going to breed ignorance because with every act of sin, you're depriving yourself more of some positive good that God willed for you. Um, Thomas Aquinas talked about, uh, he talked about, he called it folly, or at least in the translation that I read. I'm seeing mm-hmm. if I could find it real quick. Um, I'm looking at a book, and I probably can't because I'm not going to try. Um, That's okay. But he specifically talked about the fact that immorality causes us to it causes us to be ignorant and it causes us to hide the truth from ourselves and he specifically says that that lust is the uh biggest way that we do that because it's the the uh it is the best of all passions 
And so it is uh, the chief way in which we make ourselves ignorant of morality. Right, right. I'm probably not, and, I'm not saying yeah. it right, but... No, but I, I think that's exactly a... a you probably are saying it right, um, and I think that's kind of a a um, it it kind of feeds into this mentality that, or this this realization that um, sins of lust, especially you know things like uh, you know m- masturbation or, or or fantasizing impure thoughts or something like that, yeah, they're not the worst sins a person can create. I mean, obviously, committing right. murder is a far worse sin than, than masturbation. But the thing is, they're the most accessible sins. They're, it's kind of like they're gateway sins into a world where you increasingly deny the sinfulness of sinful things. Yeah. Yeah, it becomes almost like a drug. Yeah. And, now, uh, you know, even to the point where, where you know, I, I'm i sure that, you know, you've got, obviously, there is a sex trafficking industry that means that there are people who are uh consumers in that industry yeah i've got to think that not everybody who who is out there engaging in these these depraved um transactions i you know especially in in i think a lot of the asian countries i'm probably goes on here in the united states too but you know, uh, underage girls and 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 uh, even I guess underage boys and underage so on and boys. so forth. The, the um, I, I've got to think that the people who are engaging in this activity and consuming this, um, they didn't start out that way, right? You know, yeah. I mean, they, they, they many of them probably when when they were first starting down a path that eventually led them there, they probably would have been disgusted at the idea of they themselves participating in that. And yet yeah. there they are. The, I, I think this is, a, this especially happens when you talk about addiction. And it's, it's, it might not be the best way to talk about, uh, the, the, the obsession of pornography that, that met some men develop. Because, uh, to a lot of people. Addiction? Right. Well, to a lot of people, an addiction is a very specific thing. And, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> Uh, to a to a heroin addict might be a little bit miffed about us calling pornography an addiction, but right. I, but you the know the way they, we use that word nowadays, I I think it's uh, yeah. If you have a destructive the, behavior and you're not unable to stop, I think it's safe to call it an addiction. That's kind of what yeah. I was going to say that okay, the heroin user who maybe is acutely aware of his own condition and and deplores it. Yeah, he he may think. What do you mean addiction? You know, you got it. You know, you you don't. You're not even in the same ballpark or the same county as I am with regards to, the, you know, the the nature of the compulsion. But you know, I I certainly think that if you're going to refer, for example, to gambling addiction, right? You know, I I would shopping think that, addiction. Uh, yeah, you know, they've, they've got them. like shopaholics and 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 even other sicknesses. They don't. I mean, I guess they. I don't hear it referred to as an addiction, but they talk about hoarders and, you know, stuff like that. So, um, yeah. Lack of a better word, I don't think, I think we're safe calling it an addiction. Yeah. And there are some people who will argue that there is a chemical component to it. I personally don't believe that's what the addiction is. Oh. Like hormones and whatnot that, that 
come from looking at pornography and or masturbating. But but the hormones themselves, I mean, the the and, and in fact, a lot of them, you know, are involved in in just healthy sex as well. You know, between couples, but, right? You know, the hormones themselves are are a real neurological thing. Um, it's just that right. I, I think in in the mis when they're when they're brought forth in their misplaced context, they combine with other um, you know mental processes to reinforce a um, a, a a difficulty. It's kind of weird to right. talk about it that way. They reinforce a difficulty in exerting what you would will for yourself. I right. think is probably the right way to, you know, the, to explain it. it. Well, if you, I mean, if you look at when you're studying any addiction, they talk about uh, four four different stages of it, mm-hmm. and you could see all these really at work in um, in pornography addiction. The first one being uh, uh, experimentation, um, and, and I think. I mean, all of us men remember a certain time in our lives when we first saw pornography, how exciting it was and uh, how curious it is. Um, and the next one... Probably at school for most yeah, a people, lot of, right? And, and well, so it was the before fact school for me. I saw it before school. What do you mean before school? You... Before being the age to go to school. Wow. Okay. I think I was at least in... I mean. We, I don't know. I mean, you know, up the street they had the 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 folks that had the garage and then the loft over the garage and right and uh, you know they had the magazines there that once in a while everybody would get out and and sit around and look at. Uh, I mean, not and, and it was more like sit around everybody around one magazine because there was only one. Right. It was like a hidden thing, you know, not like right. everybody sit around with their own copy or anything like that. But I think I was at least school age. Well, uh, you boys did that and then you all went home and then me and my little friend <laughs> and went I know to, what were they looking at about? Yeah. what were they doing <laughs> oh that's what we're yeah. looking at okay yeah and, but but the thing is it's like you, you i mean here's the thing i think in both cases uh we were boys at an age that we didn't even understand why it was interesting yeah yeah so, definitely you know uh however I think that school is a big area where, you know, that gets introduced. So I was going to say, hey, if there's one good thing about this coronavirus uh, stupid shutdown thing, the fact that your kids aren't going to school might not be the worst of it. Yeah, you know, it's that not might actually that be a Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, the second stage talked about is the misuse slash abuse stage. Now, it might be a little bit different here because... Um, Unless you're married, uh, any kind of use of of your sexual uh, appetite is an abuse. That's what I was gonna. It's like okay, like for example, like experimentation. If you let's relate it to, to for example, alcoholism. Okay. You you might get introduced to alcohol, alcoholic drinks, um, at an age where it's completely appropriate, and I'm not talking about legal alcohol purchasing age i'm talking about in terms of actual maturity at an age where it's completely appropriate and in a context where the alcoholic effect is not um it's not something that you can notice 
directly as an effect. It's it's more like it just kind of seemed like maybe the evening was more enjoyable if you had a glass of wine or something like yeah. that. Okay. Um, and and then so I'm thinking that the experimenting is when you maybe that first time, assuming that you know this is at that appropriate age, uh, you realize you know you realize that oh wait a minute you're a little bit unsteady and maybe you're having a little bit more fun. And so yeah. you go ahead and have that extra glass for that evening. And then, you know, and, and maybe the next weekend, the same thing happens. I'm thinking that's experimenting. It's not quite at the abuse, but here's the thing. Having seen how that could go, you back off and, and you just stick with the one glass of wine or whatever. You're still using alcohol, having experimented and you're not abusing it. Right. With something like pornography, exactly as you just said, especially pornography, but but really any, you know, real intentional sexual faculty, unless it's in the context of, of intending to, to, you know, make love to your spouse, it's an abuse, period. Right. There's, there's not a use that isn't a misuse. And uh, one of the big problems is that children are not taught that it's an abuse, from an early age, even though they're given uh, the uh, uh, they're given ways to experiment and then abuse and misuse it from a very early age, right, right. So the the pornography is there for kids to see and to uh, abuse themselves, but a lot of kids, when they are doing it, do not understand that it's an abuse, right, because they haven't been told, taught, whatever. And right. of we course, the, the, the very about like mortal sin, uh, right? And well, we as a yeah, as a as a um, I don't know, as a culture, uh, I, I don't want to say as a church mm-hmm. because in terms of official, but but as a culture within the church, as a generation, we've kind of stopped talking about mortal sin, and as a um, as a you were talking about how millennials versus our generation in terms of willingness to talk about sex and that kind of stuff yeah. um you know the ta- we, we we would think about okay how how and when and in what context am i going to have the talk with each of my, my kids and because you, it's not like a right. topic you bring up around the dinner table or anything like that yeah, you um, gotta like plan a special trip, or let's go fishing, or something. Yeah, like that. Well, you know, hey, you ever, uh, you know, uh, think about you know where babies come from, you know, whatever. I, I don't know, how, but but the thing is, it's it's something that that from from our youth, we've had this healthy respect for that makes it difficult for us to talk about, and so yeah. it's even if even if we have the talk with our kids. We're not doing it. We're not. Chances are we never even realized until it's too late the importance of of giving and reinforcing the tools to withstand the kinds of temptations that are, you know, in place That are going to be a part of their daily lives almost. Yeah. So that's, you know, that. And I I don't know if we even have the tools necessary for that yet. I mean. Well, I mean the moral tools, the the exercise of of you know, that, I mean that's where things like Lent and and that kind of stuff comes up, which it yeah, it kind of makes it and... a shame that the church, you know, back in the sticks is is this a coincidence? I mean, 
did Satan play his cards well here or what? Right at the time with the when when the sexual revolution was gaining momentum is when the church dropped a bunch of the will strengthening uh, disciplines like the, the kinds of fasting and the times of year that you did fast and all that kind of stuff that, that they used to have. Yeah, it's like if uh, you're being told uh, next week you're going to run a marathon so uh, or next month you're going to run a marathon, so take this next month, take it easy to save your strength up. And it, yeah. it's, it's, it's the opposite of the way you've got to do things. Right. Every every if, uh, every coach knows <laughs> that's that's the wrong way. Right. <clears throat> Misuse and abuse is pretty straightforward, um, and it and it comes from a, a sexual appetite, which we all have. Um, there's nothing abnormal about it. The problem mm-hmm. is that, like with most addictions, it becomes it becomes something that's not always sexual, and it. Things like ritualization happen, um, and and it becomes a way to deal with life in general. Like so, like explain that R- ritualization. So, um, you know, it but, might and start. I, off, I'm not. I have never read a explanation of the stages of addiction development. Uh-huh. So, not just in okay. a sexual context, but in any addiction context. What what do we mean by ritualization? Well, is it like. Uh, Okay, Friday nights, finally I'm done with the work week and I don't have to get up in the morning. I'm going to get slammed drunk every Friday night. Is that the kind of thing you're talking about? Right, and it becomes to where it is a ritual, but a lot of times it's you have your normal nights that you're going to get drunk, but then uh, it seems like more and more every time uh, you have a bad day at work, you start doing it. Oh, until it becomes... it becomes something that you you just do when you get home from work because uh, whatever happened during the day you need something to deal with that or I um, see you know when you when you get done paying your bills uh, all that stress that was caused you do something to relieve the stress and it becomes part of a ritual that you do or for you know, kids coming home from school, the first thing they do is run upstairs and and uh, shut the bedroom door because it's it, it becomes just part of their routine, mm-hmm. and it becomes a way for them to to deal with whatever it is they have to deal with. Right, right. And then when they suddenly decide, I don't want to be doing this, it's all the harder to stop because it's become part of their lives and. I, I think so that's when you're ritualizing, mm-hmm. I, I think then you can say you are addicted. Okay. So when, the, the... when, when the desire to look at pornography or the desire to drink or anything else really has nothing to do with whatever originally caused you to drink. If you're normally most people drink because it's fun. You go out on night yeah. and you're having fun and you drink. Mm-hmm. By the time you're drinking alone to try to create a better feeling inside you, you could say you've got you're you're having a problem. Right. And right. so when when looking at pornography and masturbating has nothing to do with sex, it's not because you're horny, then you could probably say at that point you've got a problem. 
Ah, uh, okay. It's it's crossed over from from being a a bad response to a natural inclination into being a a almost a survival po- a, method. A, a poor response to an to yeah a a disconnected inclination. You know, it, it's it's like you're looking for the excuse and giving into that rather than simply giving into a mere temptation. It you might compare it to um, you know you get married you're with this woman and every now and then she does something that really makes you angry and you scream at her and yell at her and insult her and make her cry. Mm-hmm. Well, now you you've responded to the anger in a bad way and it's caused problems. Right. But then you come home from work and your boss has been yelling at you and you, you just take that. You go off on her, just even though she hasn't done anything. Yeah. yeah, it's yeah. It's, then now it's a right. I see. I see. That would be an example, a different kind of example of ritualization. Right. Yeah. Okay. That makes that makes a lot of sense. Now, here's what's scary: the the fourth stage. The fourth stage is escalation. Okay. And this is where you start to see bizarre behavior. Because you're, you've already gotten to the point where your actions really aren't part of lust anymore. Right. And you're, so you're not reacting to desires. The, the yeah. behavior itself has become its own purpose. And so it escalates into weird things that normally for most people and for you at one time would never have been, uh, even a consideration. Things okay. like this homosexuality is the, and or uh, the guy who goes to the the brothels with the the you know the twelve year olds and stuff like that. Right. The, you know he would have been the pedophiles. He would have been disgusted at the thought. At you know when he was first starting down some road, maybe maybe one day he you know he was on a business trip, decided to get you know hire a prostitute or something like that. You know yeah. whatever. Okay. All right. And but his actions are so disassociated from sex at this point. It's also where you, I mean, look, uh, as far as I know, in every one that I've looked at, and I, it's not like I made a study of it, but as far as I know, every serial killer that they've ever researched has had stashes of pornography. Mm-hmm. I think I've read that too. It's something they expect because. Yeah. It's, it's like. <clears throat> Something brought him to that, and pornography, I think, is one of those things because of escalation and it it kind of veering off into different areas. And to be honest, I don't I don't think we really have any control over that. Right. I, I think it's it's like almost entirely in the hands of the devil at that point. I don't mean our actions. I mean the way that things will develop. Oh, right. The directions right. that it takes. If if you're in an escalation mode and you're escalating is finally uh, going and hiring a prostitute, you're one of the lucky ones because you're not, say, digging more into younger and younger girls or uh, looking at uh, homosexual pornography at that point because mm-hmm. it escalates into those areas for a lot of guys. Those are the- okay. So so we've got the four stages. And we've confirmed that when it comes to to 
sexual things, pornography and so forth. Basically anything that is outside of spousal lovemaking, you know, use is abuse, uh, you know, of, of the sexual faculty. So, um, there's, there's two things that, and I don't know whether both of them seem like such big topics. I, you know, I don't know how much time we have to spend on them, but, um, two things that seem appropriate to talk about. And maybe we even make turn this topic into a two show topic, but one of them is for guys or, and I, I, you know, actually I've heard like listening to Catholic radio when I was up in Michigan, I used to, you know, tune into the local Ave Maria radio station all the time. And, you know, they have like uh, Al Cresta, you know, talked to have different people on his show. I've heard that, that women actually have, you know, struggle with, with, um, pornography problems too but it's becoming a bigger problem from for, what i understand especially you know for guys probably the the one is okay how do you combat it yourself what are the different things you can do in the different stages of I, you know it's i think when it comes to things sexual it's it's very difficult even for a married guy to not at least once in a while slip into, you know, the experimental. I mean, even if you're, even if it's just a matter of, of, you know, thinking ahead to, oh my, you know, I've got this four day weekend coming up and, uh, you know, I can, you know, spend the night up with my wife and, and, you know, and, and you start fantasizing about stuff. Even, even if the fantasy, the, the, the subject of the fantasy isn't, you know, um, Simple. Let's say it's inappropriate, but it's inappropriate to to spend the time fantasizing right now, you know, because you, you should. Yeah. So, so it's, but nonetheless, it's like, it's like so, uh, available all the time, even to just think about. It's really difficult right. for a guy to, to not at least slip in between that experiment slash misuse, uh, area when it comes to sexuality. But then you've got the guys who are on, you know, on the edge from misuse to ritualization or fully into ritualization. And then on and and even beyond that, you know, the mechanisms, how to in terms of spiritual battle and in terms of life control, you know, reasserting the right ordering of of intellect and appetites and will and so on and so forth in order to to recover from that and to make sure that you don't continue slipping down that slope that's one topic i, I you know, probably we could spend well, a they, just talking about that I mean, and then the say, other topic and, is your kids how do you prepare yeah. your kids i don't know about that one yet <laughs> i mean <laughs> we're all still trying to prepare our kids for this and it's like uh i i'm at a stage where i don't know how well i'm doing I'm at a stage, I mean, I, I, in the sense that I, you know, I, I don't know how well, you know, I don't know how badly I've messed up with regards to that in the sense that I know that I haven't explicitly like, okay, wait a minute, I got to prepare my kids to handle the temptations of pornography and that kind of stuff while they were growing up. I acted in ignorance. It's almost like, you know, I'm, uh, I'm playing chess while Satan is playing checkers or something like that. You know what I mean? It's, it's like, yeah, it's like until it was too late to really We're not even on the same engage wavelength. the game. Yeah. I, I was not even in the game, 
So, and, and it's like, okay, well now I just got to, you know, trust to God. I, you know, pray to St. Joseph every morning. I think a morning lot and, of parents and, are You know, like for that. my kids and so on and so forth. So there's that, but, but in fact, I would almost, it's like, gee, that was so unfair that I had to raise my kids in a period before it became so obvious how important it is to set up protections for your kids and train your kids to protect themselves and so forth. Uh, if I were going back to the beginning of my child rearing today, wow, there are so many things I would do differently. Not, not just because of right. the experience of raising the kids, but because of my knowledge of what's going on in the world. I don't, I don't even know if we have an answer for that. I mean, let's say you did have to go back to the beginning. There would be things you do different, but that's really not, you don't know if those things would be right yet or not. That's true. You, you, you'd still be guessing. So what if we limit all use of the internet and uh, throw the TV out the door and do a whole bunch of other things? You don't know if yeah. that does anything yet. When they turn but, 18, it, it could be like alcohol where they turn 21. Oh, let's go get drunk. And but, what are you going to uh, do? I mean, are you going to not let your kids hang out with other kids? You know, and I'm talking right, about, you, you know, when that. they become teenagers and stuff like that, they go, okay, yeah, we are, we're going to go to the movies. Okay, yeah, go to the movies and then we'll go to pizza afterwards. And, uh, you know, and maybe they went for pizza afterwards or maybe they went over to so-and-so's house and, and, and you know, pulled up the Internet uh, and, and you know, stuff like that. Who knows? It's, it, there's a point at which it's like, okay, the, you – the only way to know with a certainty once once kids reach a certain age, it it becomes where it, it's really a tough situation because they're too young to say, okay, they have to be on their own, but they're too old to micromanage and and helicopter every yeah. moment of their lives, and so you have to like spend all your time praying for them, and anytime you have an opportunity within interaction with them you 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 can give them advice you can make sure they know what's right and what's wrong hopefully you've been doing that all their lives anyway but there there's there's still a period there where it's like they're not ready to deal with what you know is out there ready to to grab them and yet at the same time it's inappropriate to take the steps that you would have to take in order to be absolutely sure that they're safe from it you know uh like you said, they wouldn't necessarily things I would be safe anyway. Mm-hmm. Is um, number one, they do have to know what's right and wrong. So you do have to have that talk with them. Yeah, look, you looking have at a pictures of naked ladies is uh, it's a grave sin, right? And if you if you pick up a magazine, knowing what it is, and spend twenty minutes looking at it, you've committed a grave sin. Yeah, um, and you got to go to confession for sins. Right. I, actually, I think that's probably one of the big things. And and personally, I, you know, if I could go back and do it again, that this would be something that I would do different. I I didn't often because of you know different situations, moving around and that kind of stuff. Yeah. The different places we live, the churches didn't necessarily have the same commitment to the sacrament of confession. When we okay. lived in Indianapolis, we went to Holy Rosary Church. There were Two things that that really improved the you know my ability to helped my ability to to push my kids in the right direction. 
The first is that it was a church that felt like a church and Christ was up there in the tabernacle at the center and you could go to, you could go for mass and you could get there a half hour early and not feel like you were wasting time sitting around waiting for mass to start. Yeah. So many churches today, it's like, you know, you get there a half hour early and it's like, well, why am I even here? You know, the second thing is they had confessions before every mass and they ran them right up as close to mass as they possibly could. Now I know huh. in the pre Vatican two they would have had confessions during mass, you know, anything they can do to make it so that people can go to confession yeah. so they can go to communion, but they ran it right up to be. So we would go and we would routinely get there a half hour early. The boys were serving or being trained to serve even, you know, they'd be there for serving, but they had time to go to confession. And many times they did go to confession before mass. I mean, and then we moved to uh, Cincinnati, I think it was, and we were up in Westchester and whole different situations with the, the right. churches that we ended up going to it's, there. It's once but, a week on you know, Saturday afternoons. That's pretty much it. Yeah. And it's like, if you want to go to confession, you got to make a big deal of, okay, we're going to go to confession. And then, well, okay, we're not going to sit around for an hour before mass. So then we'll come back home and wait and then go back to bed. You know, right. and okay. At St. Martin's, it kind of worked out for us when we were growing up because it was a block away. And so right. we were encouraged to, and we often did just walk up, go to confession. Okay. Then we'd walk back home. So there wasn't, you know, that, that awkwardness. Um, and we didn't have to ask for a ride from our parents if we needed to go to confession for something. You know, Dad, I really need to go to confession. Yeah, that was you a know, big you know. thing. You know, we one of the went up and went to confession <laughs> that I did with my kids from the start is first of all, I, I did explain to them mortal sins. You have to go to confession for a mortal sin. I also promised them the day they made their first communion, and I did this with all of them. I said, mm-hmm. if you ever ask me. First of all, if you do not go to communion, I will never ask you why. Right. Second of all, if you ever ask me to go to confession, I will never ask you why. I will just right. make sure right. you get That's there. A, right. Not only not ask, but I'm not, you know, it's, and, and I wish not I had interested. done the same thing yeah. with my kids. I'm not going to speculate either. I'm not going to assume the worst. Right. If you don't go to communion, it might be because you have a bellyache. And I'm yeah. not going to assume that it's that instead of because of some sin you've committed. It's, you know, it, so yeah, that's, I think that, that, that was probably a good thing. I, I think a lot of parents ought to think about that as their kids are approaching those ages and decide that's how they're going to be and that they're going to support their kids that way. I, w- I wish I had actually right. thought of that myself. Um, so that's, but that's one thing that, you know, I, I would redo that aspect if I could go back. Um, yeah, because if, you know, okay, when you talk about something like pornography and sexual sins, generally it's out there, it's ubiquitous. The opportunity is, is kind of omnipresent in culture today. Uh, well, you know what? The one thing that you can do for your kids is make the opportunity for forgiveness omnipresent to them. Right. Well, the question is, do we jump into the next leg of this or do we uh, put that off to another podcast? Let's put it off because yeah, I'm, it can you know, be kind of a big subject. Yeah. And, and I think it's, it's a subject that deserves to be treated well. Um, 
I'll say one more thing about the the kid raising aspect, though. One of the things that even if you have the talk with your kids, you may not think to talk about dating and courtship and that kind of stuff in that context. And I know that, uh, and by the way, I'm not going to take credit for this. I'm going to give credit. Um, There's a a fellow out there who himself has has done a lot of talks and, and given a lot of seminars about um, pornography addiction and that kind of stuff. His name is Matt Fred. And I heard this on one of his shows. He's, you know, I don't know where he got it. Maybe he thought of it himself, but one of the things that, that especially boys want to know while they're dating is, you know, how, well, how far am I allowed to go? Which itself is yeah. the wrong question because it, it's like, well, what can I get away with? You know, it, when it comes to interacting with my girlfriend and that kind of stuff, he had the perfect answer. He was, and his answer was this. If, if you're with your girlfriend, I mean, obviously she's interesting as a person. Otherwise you wouldn't be hanging out with her. If, if the only thing that you're hanging out with her for is because, you know, there's, there's some kind of, of sexual interest involved, then, you, you know, get away from her because, you know, even, even the fact that she's pretty is not a sexual thing. Okay, that initial attractiveness and the desire to be in her company and to spend time conversing with her and having dinner, you know, that, that's all non-sexual. But here's the thing. If you're doing something with her, if whether it's whether it's sitting on the couch, you've got your arm around her, whether it's, you know, standing, you know, and, and walking in a park and, and you know, you 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 stop and, and spend a few minutes, uh, you know, in a caress or whatever it is. If you start feeling that kind of stirring in the pit of your stomach, if, if you're if you're starting to feel a little bit of that movement, that's the signal. That means, okay, wait a minute, this is going in the wrong direction, back out, find another direction to go. That's the answer. And it may be different for different guys. And it may be different in different situations. Well, but it can't because Matt uh, Matt okay, Fred so does we'll, deal with pornography as to, in his talks and stuff. So we will I don't know if it's going to be next week, but we will talk about what men can do, I guess, first to avoid the the trap. And second of all, some of the things they can do to get out of the trap. Yeah. What if, because um, if you're, if you've fallen into the trap, I think in some ways it's a little bit like healthy eating. Okay. Uh, and, and I, I'll, kind of relate this to my wife I, I hope she wouldn't be offended if she hears this but like she's she's diabetic she got you know type 2 diabetes um okay so now she's on a dietary plan that has just absolutely transformed her she's got off her diabetes diabetes medicines she's lost over 60 pounds and she feels good she has more energy and so on and so forth but she can never go back to eating the way she used to eat in fact she can never go back to eating the way she should have been eating all those years if if she had you know yeah, eaten that's, right uh, that's true and i think it's that way when it comes to you know uh, pornography i'm it i know it's is. that way when it comes to like alcoholism it's probably right. that way when it comes to a gambling addiction. It's got to be that way with pornography too. If you've gotten into a certain level of that trap, then there are things that you have to take care that normally you wouldn't have to. You're you're looking at a life a, a life changing uh, thing here to get out of it. It's not like 
Well, it just stop. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, if you're a gambling addict, you can't ever go to a casino. Uh, mm-hmm. You even have to avoid certain stores that sell uh, the lottery tickets, things like that. And right. or, or same with alcohol. You if you're have to avoid uh, you certain know. neighborhoods, certain if, people, certain people, certain neighborhoods. Uh, and you know, if if you're an alcoholic who has, you know, your thing has been, you know, whiskey. And and you're you know you you uh you know drink go through a fifth of whiskey every other day, uh, okay, you get yourself sober. Well, you know what? You can't have a beer now. <laughs> so, <clears throat> oh okay, that's another addiction. <laughs> yeah, I had to walk away to get coffee. You know um, what? If if coffee's your worst addiction, you have. A really well balanced life. life. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so we're going to put that off. Um, yep. But we will talk about some current events. Oh, man. I, so weird. You know, yeah. first of all, uh, President Trump announced his, uh, his, his reopening the economy plan. Right. You know, I, I, I feel a little disappointed. I mean, if everything goes well, you're still looking at at least a month and a half before things get anywhere close to normal. And I kind of think nothing will go back to normal. But I wish it was more aggressive. Mm-hmm. And already we've got governors saying, no, they're not going to do that. I I don't understand that at all. I don't. Me neither. These governors well, de- depend on uh, the economy. They they need people engaging in commerce in order to run the government. They need it. Where do they and, think they're going to get it all from federal taxes or something? Yeah. Well, where do you think federal taxes come from? I mean, you know, the thing is yeah. that it's like, okay, like Trump, you know, we've got this so-called stimulus, you know, checks that are going out to everybody. That, um, And I think Trump's originally, he wanted to send a lot of money you know put a lot of money into businesses um and he wanted uh, to keep businesses alive because so that there would be there to serve because because if business if a business you know take a restaurant okay during a the you know the pre uh panic uh activity a restaurant you know it had patrons and it had workers the patrons spent money uh, the the restaurant paid its workers. It was part of a economy, and it generated wealth. It 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 it, it engaged yeah. its workers to create new services and products that people paid for and consumed, and they paid money for. And the movement of the money that was involved from that business created wealth from which the governments got its their tax dollars and so on and so forth. If if we have this, you know, because of this this uh, pandemic corona shutdown, that restaurant goes out of business, which, okay, if, you know what, if you're McDonald's, you're not going to go out of business. But there's a lot of local restaurants that will go out of business. When that restaurant yeah. shuts down and closes its doors and it's not going to open back up even after the... Uh, you know the 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 governors lift the restrictions. P- 
patrons aren't going to go pay money there anymore. Workers aren't going to work there. That particular segment, as small as it is, of the economy is gone. And its contribution to the generation and increase of wealth in society is gone. And it's not coming back. Now, there may be somebody at some point who comes up and, and, and identifies, okay, wait a minute, there's a building. I can get that real cheap because the owner needs to sell it because, you know, he's, he's he paying a mortgage on it and so on and so forth. And so I'll get it and I'll buy it and then I'll open my, as, you know, version of a restaurant and so forth. But in the meantime, all of the money he spends on the capital to acquire and, and everything else involved in getting started, that's not wealth generation. That's just sucking money out of society. It's the ongoing well, operation of the business that generates wealth. That's so, just the cold, hard side of it. There's also the fact that someone started that business, and it wasn't just an idea to make money. Mm-hmm. It was it was a dream. Yeah. It was he had all these things he wanted to do, and usually you you look at little businesses like that whether it's restaurants or little hardware stores or whatever you'll find out that the owners often say lent their workers money to buy a car and then took a little bit out of their paycheck at a time you find that kind of stuff happening a whole lot in these tiny little businesses that are closing down yeah and yeah. uh it's just it's criminal what's happening right now yeah i mean these people their lives are suddenly they may as well be over. They may as well have died of coronavirus because right. everything exactly. that they lived for has suddenly been pulled out from under them, and they, it, it was no fault of their own. Right. They didn't do anything to cause this. It, it wasn't even mistakes that they made. It was just a uh, handing down of, of orders from the governor. From a governor's right. right to wine. And, and for what? You know, the, it's the, pro- the worst projections of this virus don't even come close to making it a, a, a Marburg or a bird flu or a, um, right. uh, you know, a black plague or anything like that. And yeah. I mean, it's something that we could weather it, you know, it, okay. There's certain people that should take precautions, but we could get through this. We, we don't need to close the economy or risk losing half the, half the population or anything like that. It's not that kind of virus. And so what's right. the purpose of all this stupid shutdown stuff? I I don't know whether there's some, you know, back room conspiracy behind it or whatever, but in terms of the effects of it, it is the worst kind of training people to just do what they're told because they're told that you can yeah. think of. When you look at, you know, you've got drones flying over, you know, uh, parks in New York broadcasting messages to practice social distancing. By the way, is that does that term rankle you the way it rankles me? Practice social distancing. What a stupid so phrase. Stupid. Yeah. Um and you've got uh you know th- people arrested the group of people that you know the the uh wanted to have a a service. They said, "Okay, we know, you know, physical presence is something people like and that kind of stuff and so this pre- I, I don't know which church it was but but uh you know the preacher said i'll tell you what i'm going to broadcast you know and i'll i'll work out to broadcast my service and you guys can come into the you park in the parking lot maintain your social isolation 
just turn your radios to this station. You can be in the parking yeah. lot, and we'll all be together, and 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 we'll do the service that way. I don't think it was a Catholic thing. Uh, okay, so everybody was doing that. Well, guess what? Everybody who was there, they were safe as far as their own intentions and their own plans go. Where did the exposure, possible exposure to you know the virus, come from? It was from the cops who were going around knocking on their windows. Asking them to roll Telling their windows down away. so they could so they could yeah. hand them a five hundred dollar ticket. It's disgusting. It's disgusting, absolutely. And if somebody suggests, "Hey, when is the governor going to you know lift these?" I get, we're starting to get rallies of people who who you know go and say, "Hey, yeah, we, we want these." And and of course, all the news channels uh, like paint them like they're some kind of zombie apocalypse, you know, weirdos or something like that. Yeah. Uh, and and. People, you know, will jump on them and and say, "Hey, those those restrictions are there for our protection." You know, the the um, it's like people, it's like the the, and I think it's more liberals and it's more millennials are being trained in this concept of a paternalistic model of government. The government is there to take care of you, not just to address the. Uh, the corner cases where people taking care of themselves might come into f- conflict or where somebody might actually, you know, through ill intentions, uh, cause harm. But the government is there to take care of you. And so you better do everything the government says. That's what I'm seeing. In fact, if somebody were to sit down and write a script to cover a, like a movie, for example, to cover the, the transitional point of a society from normal healthy society into a dystopian kind of be right here you know they could not do better than to use exactly what's going on now this is exactly what they would come up with in in the you know in the most uh realistic kind of scripting and that's what's so bizarre um we were headed that way that direction for a long time and in the past three or four years we thought we were getting uh we were getting away from it we thought we were headed in the right direction again yeah and this happened and it's almost like we're back to square one now and i honestly the american you know, people and People are going to call me nuts. They're, they're going to say that that I'm, you know, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, you're a weirdo conspiracy theorist. I honestly think that there are those in, um, you know, cultural power positions. I'm talking about people who are, you know, who control certain media outlets and that kind of stuff. Who saw the, you know, the the virus itself. Okay, the virus itself warrants caution. And I think there are those who saw it and, and its timing as an opportunity to yeah. reverse, to, to put a stop and nip in the bud that trend against this dystopian development that you're referring to that we thought we were on for the last three or four years. Right. Um, we I, At this point, we just got to keep praying that at least Trump is takes us in the right direction. I'd love to see him more ambitious, but it is what it is. At least he's pointing the right way again. And yeah. uh, I don't know. I well, I would you know, love I, to see a bunch of business owners <laughs> saying, you know what, we're just going to open. Let's just do it. Yeah. I mean, it's like, okay, you know, governors, you you know, 
do, do you want to use your National Guard to, you know, shut down your economy, or do you want to use them for something that's useful? Um, but yeah. we're, we're going to open back up, and we're going to start serving customers again. That, I would love to see that, and I would be one of those customers, um, you know, out there patronizing those businesses if they did that. I would be one of those businesses. Only I am one of those yeah, businesses. Yeah. I never shut down. <laughs> I was like, I'm not shutting down. Well, yeah. And, but yeah, I could find a reason kind of to business. call myself essential. Mm-hmm. But uh, no one ever pulled me over or anything to ask me about it, so I just kept working. Yeah, I think the Midwestern states are, are mostly a little bit more sane-headed, even the, when the governors have shut down and, and issued you know the orders. I think the Midwestern states are a little bit more sane-headed than, than places like, you know, you know. But, you know, even Michigan, though. Michigan is, is Michigan's from what I've heard, is, is, yeah. It's, and, and, you know, that they're... But there are know. people revolting there. Yeah. I, I think everybody gathered in Lansing for a, uh, for a uh, protest. That's people one of gathered here protests. in Ohio, too. Yeah. Oh, did they? Uh, up at Columbus, there was a mm-hmm. protest. I think it was in Columbus against uh, Governor Mike DeWine. I'm going to start calling him Mike Nero because he Mike Nero. sat and played the fiddle while, while the yeah uh, while Rome burned while the state exactly. burned down. That's right, um, exactly. That's that's what it's like. I I think I will vote Democrat before I vote for him again. I'm yeah. so angry about yeah. this. And but, you know, uh, it's so bizarre because it's it's not like they you know it would be one thing if the governors were in a in a uh like between a rock and a hard place and and you know thinking about oh i gotta think about the people of my state and maybe i have to push back and 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 test the waters and violate maybe some federal orders in order to do so it's the opposite right it's like the governors are 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 killing their states yeah in spite of federal encouragement to to you know, be cautious about shutting down the economy. Right. It's terrible. Okay. Um, there were some tornadoes uh, over over the weekend. Yeah, one of them uh, real close to me. The yeah. Um, In fact, this this I was so know. weird. I don't I, have anything yet on how much damage they caused. Well, I can say this. There were something like 30-something deaths. I, I drove through one of the cities, um, uh, Mooresville, that, that had a tornado... This is so weird. Okay, you think of a tornado and you think of it as touching down and then having a path. And then he's, oh yeah, yeah. the tornado went right through here. You can see the path and there's the trees that it, you know, cut down. I, I, I want to go look into Mooresville and, and see more about, you know, the city itself and that kind of stuff. Because as far as I could tell, we, I drove through Mooresville. And as far as I could tell, the tornado touched down, destroyed, like, it's a small city, a, a small town. You know, it's, it's not like Indianapolis or anything like that. Yeah. Touchdown destroyed the downtown, you know, central like governance main street stuff and then went away. Wow. It was weird. Yeah, I drove through it and it's like okay, they Most of them do the opposite out. that. What's that? Most of them do the opposite. You look at the follow the path of the tornadoes where they actually touch down and you'll see that they'll go through they'll go through suburbs, they'll go through all kinds of places, but when they yeah. get to the city they, kind of, they yeah, pick up and they come back down on the other side of the city. Kind of weird. This it's it's like it yeah. touched down in the middle of the city and then didn't go anywhere. Just destroyed the middle of the city and went away. It was so weird. 
Now, that, that's my impression driving through, because like, I kind of drove through and around, and it's like, okay, wait a minute, but, but I, I can see the buses, I can see where the buildings that it destroyed are, are basically laying out into the street and that kind of stuff, and it's it's torn up, but, but nothing else around it. Very weird. Well, our thoughts and prayers go out to people who are uh, in that emergency, and also the people who are out of work. Yes, absolutely. It's like a double whammy. Yeah, that's... So have you heard about the wildfires in Chernobyl? Chernobyl? I heard about wildfires in yeah. Australia. Well, there's some in Chernobyl, The uh, and the fires reached... Nobody lives there no, yet, though, right? No, right. Nobody's there. But the fires reached, uh, which that the city of, uh, I don't know, even know, Pripyat... Okay. The, the main city, the abandoned city, the right. fires reached that. I don't think they got into the city. I thought there was nothing in the city but brick. Yeah. But, well, uh, okay, brick, but there would still be a lot of wood involved in, in the buildings yeah. and that kind of stuff. But Well, so, now there's a lot of trees growing in there. The trees well, growing that's right true. through the concrete trees, and stuff. Trees will grow right, yeah, that's true, that's true. But I don't, I don't, apparently they didn't get really inside the city. And I don't know if they stopped them or if they stopped by themselves. Because I don't know if they were even fighting them. But there were wildfires in Chernobyl. Huh. How about I thought that? that was interesting. That is interesting. Uh, um, now, President Trump's campaign filed a lawsuit against a Wisconsin TV station. Okay. Uh, for one of the advertisements it it aired criticizing Trump. Oh, okay. I, I don't know if that's, re- I mean, way back when, what's her name? Uh, oh, what was her name? Who ran for vice president with? Yeah, P- Palin, Alaska. Sarah Palin. Uh, what was her name? Sarah Palin. Oh, Sarah Palin. Yeah. yeah she's okay. Alaska. Mm-hmm. She, she sued someone for, uh, deprivation, I think. Okay. Or defamation. De- defamation, right. Mm-hmm. De- defamation. Uh, she sued someone for defamation. I think she lost. But, uh, Trump wants stronger laws concerning this. He doesn't think that just because you're famous, anybody should be allowed to say anything they want. And I kind of tend to agree with him on this. But yeah. I, I don't know. It's kind of, I don't, tough. not all the it way depends though. On, it, yeah, it depends on what exactly they're talking. It, like, I would draw a line, uh, for example, between personal defamation and um, political criticism, and it, and it's the difficulty of drawing that line. Uh, you know, I, I would even say, it's okay, also a matter if, if take, like lying like take a not. take a movie celebrity. Okay, movie celebrity, they're not really running for anything. There's no reason to criticize the. the there's no cause to say that for the political health of the First Amendment and that kind of stuff. You have to be willing to say anything you want about them. But you take somebody who's, once they've entered into politics, uh, okay, political criticism has to be absolutely protected. But at the same time, there's a point where personal defamation, you've still got to give them a right of redress. Well, I don't know. When it comes to that, you know what I mean? If we're going to criticize Trump for how he handled COVID-19... Uh, that would be one thing. If on the yeah, other hand, yeah, I know, hand, but that's what that's what he is uh, uh, suing them for. Mm, are you sure? 
Well, like, that's what the news story says they're suing him for about the way he handled COVID-19. The question is, are they lying about what he did? Well, okay. Is he suing them or are they suing him? He is suing them. Okay. Because they're claiming that he did something. Like, for example, let's suppose that they're claiming that Trump met with his advisors and they all determined that it would be best for their campaign if COVID-19 was allowed to spread. And so he purposely allowed COVID. That would be an example of defamation that I was like, okay, wait a minute. That's going to the personal that if you're going to report that and you don't have your, you know, your facts in a row. Yeah. Right. You, you maybe ought to be open to a lawsuit for that. But if you're just going to report and, and report, for example, an editorial and say Trump's handling of the COVID-19 situation was completely irresponsible. Uh, okay, that's that's a political yeah. judgment. You shouldn't be liable for something like that. But you see what I mean? Yeah, that's how I feel. Okay, I I don't know exactly what the lawsuit is over. I didn't even realize it was there until you brought it up. So I, I don't know how okay. to exactly address this. We'll, particular we'll see, see how it plays out. But, but I have yeah. a feeling Trump is going to lose. I don't know why. They, and and if it's really these the guys kind are of big war, on freedom of speech. If it's really kind of the political thing, I kind of wish he'd not bother with it. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I know. <laughs> but he, he always has been big on this. Uh, long before he got into politics, he would, mm-hmm. it bothered him that anybody could say anything they wanted about him and there was nothing he could do about it. Oh, okay. Where, where they could just make up lies and, and say it and he could do nothing. Yeah. Because he's a public figure. I and see. That's I see. always been one of his bugaboos. Well, and uh, you know, if if he can find a good way to to draw that line in a way that that courts can support it, and, and that it really that, that it doesn't you know violate people's rights to to political yeah. expression, uh, okay, more power to him in my opinion. Yeah. So, uh, speaking of political speech, uh, Bernie endorses Joe Biden uh, seriously, as the presumptive nominee. Wow. Yeah. I, that surprises me. All those people who put all their faith in Bernie, don't you guys feel kind of stupid now? Yeah. I mean, he he didn't even fight. He didn't even fight. This is the second time they took it from him, and he didn't fight. And you know what? Uh, from, from, like, the earliest, he was the green candidate, too. This this is yeah. actually... You know what? I'll... I, I wonder if I have the picture of this. I, I took a picture. I hope I have this picture because this this would be kind of my nonsense part of the the nonsense news thing. But I'm going to see if I have this. Hold on. All right. Uh, okay. While you're doing that, uh, yeah, go ahead. Trump with the next has thing. Trump has uh, suspended funding to the World Health Organization. That is awesome. There's no reason we oh, should have been funding no, these we people. Don't, yeah, the, uh, the, uh, they, right. they were just Chinese talking people and that's all so that's over he's getting a lot of flack for that but we're 100 percent behind him yep absolutely um, there were I, I okay this happened in new jersey there was a morgue at a nursing home and the morgue was built for four people and okay police discovered 17 people in it 17 bodies oh okay got it and which you know I, I don't. <laughs> that's really the only story. 
<laughs> I mean, that's it. That's that's the entirety of the story. <laughs> right. There was a but they they had seventeen bodies in there, and they were only supposed to have four. But this is a morgue. But, um, what are they going to do with the other bodies? I don't know because I'm hearing that that cemeteries are closing down. Yeah, I I don't you know I'm sympathetic. I don't get you know the the thirteen bodies were moved to a refrigerated truck. At a neighboring hospital, mm-hmm. while the remaining four uh, were were set to stay there at the nursing home. Okay. The rules that uh, around these this COVID nineteen are so stupid. What yeah, is it they're... better to have them in a refrigerated truck instead of burying them? Yeah, that's so uh, body buildup is a problem. But it's not because there's so many bodies. It's because the cemetery shut down. It's because of the stupid... Yeah, exactly. People die every day. It's, we got to deal with that. Okay, that's all I got in the news. There's not much out there. Okay, well, I don't have a picture. I wish I had a picture, but I consider Bernie the, the, the first green candidate of this election cycle, even though he's he's out now, because I saw way back at the beginning of of the cycle before the, you know, people were talking a lot about, um, the, the Democrat field and about the, the Democrat, um, before the, the, the debates, you know, that, that preceded the primaries and anything were going on. I saw a bumper sticker and it said Bernie 2020, but the 2020 was taped over a 2016. (laughs) 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 <laughs> so it's like okay, Bernie's Bernie's fans he are already recycling new stickers. <laughs> wow! It's like okay, it didn't work in 2016. Let me just put a 2020 over it. We I'll ought to buy some right it. now and tape 2024 <laughs> over it. That's right. <laughs> okay, 2028, so 2032, 20. Yeah. <laughs> How often do you want to recycle? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, let's see. Oh, uh, so this is this is odd. Um, somebody wrote uh, on NPR why America is why America is losing the toilet race. Um, okay, I I have to admit toilet that race race like with Japan like 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 the space race except this is the toilet race. Oh, okay. I have to admit that that once in a while. Um, if, if I've got, you know, a a little, you know, it it might take a little while for things to move and I'll sit down, I'll pull out my phone and I'll, you know, read a, you know, uh, I'll have like a story like that. I have a Nook app on my phone. I buy books that way and, and I'll pull it out and start reading while I'm on the toilet once in a while. Um, okay. But, uh, I never think of going to the bathroom as a getaway experience. However, this person from NPR is writing. Uh, he says, I just got back from my first trip to Japan. I'm now in love with the country. Of all the things I fell in love with, there's one I can't stop thinking about, the toilets. Marvels of technological innovation. And they're talking about the fact that they're self-cleaning. They have a little, uh, what do you call it? The, the, the uh, integrated, uh, is it bidets or bidets or, or the, the things that squirt water up your ass to clean it off? I don't know what those are called, but sometimes I kind of wish we had them. Okay. But here's the thing. You want, 
You want it integrated into the toilet so that the water it's squirting might also be from the same mm, nozzle that people no. like peed on and stuff like that? No. Okay. Well, I think you would have a little thing that's... I don't know. You'd have to put your know. hand in there then. Well, you you control I don't it know. I've never even seen one. I just see them on TV. Yeah, that's, you know, the, you control it from the outside or whatever. Anyway, they, okay, so then they, they, they clean themselves, deodorize, so the bathrooms smell good. They have white noise machines, so you can fill your stall with the sounds of rain or relaxation. Some have built-in night lights and music players. <laughs> okay, and, and here's, here's the quotable quote of, of all of this. I, I don't know how to interpret this. That's when he had his first experience with the washlet bidet, and it was much like mine. It began with apprehension, a little bit of angst, he says, but then he pushed the spray button and had a joyous sensation. Oh. How do you oh. interpret that? I, I don't, I don't, I don't know, know what to say. Okay. I don't know. That's. But, uh, <laughs> look, I, uh, if I, I didn't have my my morning routine, I would never read a book. <laughs> I mean, it's a part of my life. <laughs> okay, wait a I, minute. Are are you saying that you've reached the as ritualizing? I get older, it's more the more ritualizing that way. I've stage of the toilet. <laughs> it's it's part of what I do when I get up. It, as a matter of fact, if a kid wants me to go somewhere, they know they have to wake me up forty five minutes early to give me time. To do my morning thing. Okay, I'm um, gonna say I'm I'm still I'm still halfway between the experimenting and and the the misuse yeah. abuse. <laughs> well, someday you'll you'll find the joy of, <laughs> of, of ritualizing bathrooming. <laughs> okay. <laughs> here's here's the thing. I I worked at uh, the Amazon warehouse. Oh, that's right. For a couple years. Mm-hmm. Uh, Businesses, business wasn't as good as it could be, and I needed the money, so I did some 10-hour shifts in Amazon. Right. And uh, I would go into the bathroom, and it smelled so bad. And oh, it was I hate so that. disgusting. Yeah. And the whole bathroom was just terrible. But you know they do that on purpose, and right? I, I, that could be. But here's the thing. I always worked on the west side of the building. Oh, and one okay. day, I had to cover for someone who was working on the east side of the building. So I mm-hmm. work on the east side of the building. I got to I gotta go. I go. I just do my normal steps right. to go into the bathroom and, and turn the normal ways, which led me into the girls' bathroom because oh, it's backwards. Wow. Oh, why don't they? They got to put it on the same side. You don't understand. There was a, it was pink. Uh-huh. There was a couch in there. A couch? It smelled great. A couch? There were bubbles. Yeah. In the bathroom, a this couch? Is, like I, you could lounge? Yes. It was leather. <laughs> it was wonderful in there. So I wanted to ahead. stay. You go I got embarrassed. I turned back around. But I, as I'm walking out, I'm thinking, wait a minute. This place what? is pretty nice. couch? <laughs> I mean, I could see painting it pink, but a couch? <laughs> Especially in a warehouse where... Numbers are everything. I mean, they. Well, that just blew my mind. Anytime you take off, it counts against you. If you go to the bathroom, it counts against you. I assumed they made it smell bad to keep people from spending time in there. I think men just stink. If I had a business, I'd do it. I'd I'd purpose. I would pipe bad smelling 
you know, stink into the bathrooms yeah. if I if I, well, had I don't a think business. you'd have to. <laughs> if you had a warehouse fact, full of men, I would I would pipe the men's room over to the women's bathroom. Yeah, <laughs> a couch. So get the girls out of there. <laughs> I well, can't it was, believe that. It was wonderful. <laughs> I I did not want to leave, and I thought so. Maybe the all uh, right. I gotta go. Ask maybe my this wife guy has this. never been have to the ever, woman's bathroom. Have you ever worked somewhere that, where there's a couch in the bathroom? This guy in Japan has never been to a woman's bathroom. I guess obviously. that's yeah. That's you know, <laughs> you've got you've already got luxury. Yeah. Okay. All right. So anyway, but you know what? I I, I agree. Maybe bathrooms could be more technological, but I don't know. I'm I'm. We've had the same toilet for like eighty it, years. You know what? There's it works. been no real. It works for yeah. me. I I don't care that it's the same. It works. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Next uh, next item on my list. I've got a, a woman. Now this is just in a way. It's it's just cool. It's it's like on the little side of bizarre, but it's kind of cool. This woman, uh, uh, a Dagmar Turner, fifty uh, three year old uh, management consultant. Um, uh, from the Isle of Wight in uh, uh, Britain. <clears throat> she had some brain surgery that she had to undergo, and she wanted to make sure that they didn't stray too close to the part of the brain or damage the part of the brain that controls the, the fine movement of her hands. So what she did, and she apparently came up with this, she played the violin while they were doing the brain surgery. Huh. Kind of cool. That's kind of... <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know... Um, when uh, my daughter had a crooked spine and they mm-hmm. had to do, it was an 18-hour operation yeah. to straighten her spine. Yeah, that's the um, one. She came out like, like you know, a giant because they straightened her spine. I, she, yeah, she yeah, she was like taller. two or three inches taller. Yeah. Um, but during the operation, they had the anesthesiologist was in an entirely separate room. Uh-huh. He was monitoring brain waves. Okay. And that's how he was... He wasn't even... Lo- well, I guess he oh, was also so, looking at heart rate and stuff like that. But, but to tell not how much more or less her. of the medicine... Mm-hmm. Yeah, he wasn't even in the same room. He was just looking at her brain waves and then I controlled see. it f- from there. Wow. Uh, they do a lot of neat things with that stuff. Yeah. And they're getting better at it. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's amazing that, that people can be awake during brain surgery like that because the brain itself, even though it's where all your neurons are, the brain itself right. doesn't actually have any pain nerves. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's why they can do surgery like that while you're awake. Huh. Well, um. Now, you'd think pulling apart the piece of the skull would involve a little bit of pain, but maybe they can do local anesthesia so. for that. I don't know. I'll rewatch that, uh, movie on what's his name? The Hannibal, oh Hannibal Lecter, the Hannibal the Cannibal, yeah. Uh, and there one where he where he's got the guy's brain and he eats it in front of him or makes him eat it. I don't remember that. Is that part of the? I think it's the, the second the movie, Silence of the Lambs. I, I have the only one I've actually watched it was all the way the, through was the Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, me too. I just saw a part of it. He had the guy strapped down and. He had cut a little hole in his head, and he had taken a piece of the brain out, and the guy and made the guy eat it. That is so disgusting. That's disturbing. But, Do you think Anthony um, Hopkins you, like gets off on playing roles like that? I did not know that. 
I don't, I don't know. I'm asking, oh, do did, you think? Did you say, do I think? Yeah. I, I, I think more than anything, it's such a memorable role that, uh, I mean, he's also played in some kind of strong Catholic movies. Mm-hmm. Right? The Right? Did you Isn't see the right? the right? Yeah, he, he, that was yeah. him. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't think that was. I, I thought didn't it think was, was really gonna, good until the it, end. It, well, in the first twenty minutes, uh, I don't know. I don't even remember the actual end. The first twenty minutes, I didn't think I was going to like it as much, and then as I watched it, I got to like it more and more. I don't remember the ending. Yeah, I liked it uh, more and more until the very ending. Then I was like, "All right, this is stupid." Oh, so how did it end? But it remind was, me. Uh, he was. His dad was in hell. I, I can't remember now. See, now I, I don't know. But right. I, I remember, I thought, it was only the very ending. I thought, they could just cut out the ending and it would be fine. Now i got to go rewatch it. Yeah, That's okay. me too. All right. So, Have you ever uh, had one of those games that you, you hook up this thing to your head and you control an object by thinking? I think they're all bogus. They work. Huh? I'm telling you, they work. Yeah, we had one. I think it's bogus. Why do you think it's bogus? Because it doesn't work. Because no matter what you do, it I, we had me. the one. We had the one where it, it like had the air that was blowing the little ball, and yeah. you had to try to raise the ball up or down to get through the thing. Yeah, it, it was bogus. Yeah, it was random. Why do you say that? Because it was random. No, it wasn't. Okay, you I show me. I closed my eyes. Mm-hmm. I closed my eyes, and sure. when I tried to think of a math problem, it would work. And when I didn't, it didn't. Okay, so how with your eyes closed do you I get the ball to go through the hoops? It. Huh? How with the ball with your eyes closed do you get the ball through the hoops? Because you had to raise and lower it, it to go through the hoops. No, it, it it was one of those things where the 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 thing was either off or on. Oh, okay. Well, I didn't have that and one. And by thinking by thinking about something would turn it on i think it's something like that you'll have to do you still have it i want to see it i i think i do all right i'll let, find it next time we're gonna next go to, let's, party you know what let's we'll get let's that plan out. or let's maybe i'll plan, buy a new one just for that let's plan to violate the stupid state shutdowns and you can show me this this game yeah all right if if i can't find it i'm gonna buy it okay all I right look forward to it because the one we had was bogus. Do we have any more nonsense just one and this is true nonsense. Okay, so you got the. This is a coronavirus nonsense. So uh, a guy named Doctor Fauci, uh, F O I, I don't know Fauci or Fauci or whatever. Yeah, I, everybody knows Fauci. That idiot. Uh, idiot is exactly the right word. And, He's and a maybe, communist. Maybe this is apropos given the topic of our show today. Uh, so you know now he's and, and this is why. Okay, these these government idiots. Do I really want to take health advice from this guy? Uh, he recommends if you're tired of, of you know, putting your sex life online, uh, then, eh, you know, okay, maybe you can hook up with some uh, Tinder matches, you know, as long as you recognize that there's a little bit of risk involved. What? Seriously? Yeah. I mean, you're, you're, you're wondering, am I making that up? No, that's... Fauci is recommending Tinder. Yeah, as, as a, you know, if, if you're... You know, if your sex life isn't uh, what you feel like it needs to be during the shutdown, okay, do an anonymous hookup. Just just recognize oh. that there's some risk involved. Doesn't that include the risk that he's trying to avoid by shutting the whole damn nation down? Exactly. You know what? Why not instead I, let people go out to a restaurant and live about normal AIDS? lives and not feel like they have to go hook up with strangers because they can oh actually gosh. involve, you know, 
engage in social activities. This is this is the idiotness, uh, you know, from these so-called government experts. I I don't understand why Trump is giving him a microphone. Exactly. And Trump Trump should take his mic I, away. I I'm sure there's a reason, and I just have to trust Trump right now that there is a reason. I think but Trump is being so bombarded. Stupid. You know, the thing is, Trump can't control everything. Yeah, he's the president, but he can't control everything. I feel, you know, and, and I'm calling you to task a little bit for this, for feeling like he ought to control more than I think he really, you know, than, than we have a right to expect him to control. But, but this guy? Yeah, this guy's I mean, this an guy's idiot. in he charge be, of everything. He should be fired. He's just an idiot. He People are fired. asking him yeah. if we can reopen the economy. Yeah. Why is this joker being asked about the economy? He doesn't know anything about the economy. No. No, exactly. Apparently, he doesn't know anything about health either. No. By the way, um, my, somebody at my work, uh, our work is, you know, encouraged if people have some funny memes to send out an email just to kind of keep the, the morale up to send out humorous stuff. Yeah. So somebody sent out this morning uh, a picture of the subject of the meme, and it just says, Sit down, Bill. You couldn't even save windows from viruses, Bill Gates. <laughs> oh, yeah, because of the Bill Gates thing. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, that's that's it for me. Uh, okay. Yeah, like I said, true nonsense there, huh? Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, oh, folks, think no. about what we said. What? Wait a minute, wait a minute. There is one more. What? I should have uh, okay. led with this. Okay, so a, a Facebook post from the Taney Town Police Department. Okay, this is in Maryland. Please remember to put pants on before leaving the house to check your mailbox. You know who you are. This is your final warning. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. I used to... I used to deliver papers, and you'd be surprised how many old ladies walk out of the house naked at at five in the morning on Sunday mornings. Like, you're not talking like like bathrobe. You're talking about like full naked. Not full naked, but bathrobe hanging open. Oh, okay. And all kinds of things hanging open I and see. bending over in front of me and to like, pick up the paper that I just threw to them. Yeah, it's like it. Uh, <laughs> Not I never, something you want to see on Sunday morning. I never had a paper route. Pull your pants on. Okay, so that maybe it's a uh, well, well-placed well ad from the I police. Get, Taney Town. I get fully dressed to get up from my bed and walk to the bathroom. Yeah. I cannot yeah. imagine walking outside naked. I, um... Or without pants. I, I have gone out in my, my bedrobe to, like, let the dog go, you know, do his business. But Was there a, only when have it's, a bathrobe? Only when it's dark. What do you make movies or something? What I need? I bathrobes are only for making a movies. bathrobe. Yeah, you I, have a bathrobe. Why not? No. <laughs> only people who have bathrobes are people who live in an insane asylum, or people who make uh, porn. Well, I don't make porn, and that's I, what I thought. Sometimes I think my house is You're an crazy, insane asylum. Then. So. Maybe that's it. <laughs> Do you wear this thing around? No, not around, but if I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I don't want to go bathroom. out. I don't want to put clothes on, and I don't want to go outside in my boxers, so I'll put a bathrobe then on. Then stay in bed. <laughs> lazy. Well, stay in bed, lazy. Bathrobe. <laughs> Okay. You either get up or you don't get up. If you get up, put your clothes on and get up. <laughs> you know what? Sometimes dogs have to be let out in the middle of the night. Or I might want to go downstairs for a sandwich. I get dressed to do that. I get up and I don't want to get, you know, I don't want to get up for the day, but I'm going to go downstairs for a sandwich. And, you know, the kids might come down or something like that. So I don't want to be in my boxers, so I'll put a bathrobe on. Was there a uh, Malcolm in the Middle where... Hal gets trapped out of the house in his underwear. Don't remember that. I I'm sure there was there's... one. I mean, that you know, that would be some the kind of thing that you he know... went out to get the paper. Mm-hmm. And no, 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 no. Wait a minute. I, 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 all the Malcolm in the Middle is running my head now, and they're all together. <clears throat> but uh, I think there's one where he goes outside to get the newspaper, and he. Uh, he was trying to hurry up and grab it and then get back inside oh, while he was still in his, his underwear. underwear and the door okay. locked. And then, yeah. stuck and then he was locked outside <laughs> and he's standing there in his underwear trying to get in. I can't remember how the segment ended, but it's it's a classic Al Hal scene. Yeah. I, I love that show. All right. Um, okay. We got to wrap up. Yeah, we got to. I'm over time okay. anyway. All right, folks, think about what we said, and I don't know what we're going to talk about next week. Maybe we'll go in and finish up this subject. Yep, um, might do that. But, might come with something else. Uh, in any case, keep uh, circle, circle the beads. The beads. Yep. And, Bye, uh, folks. We'll see you next time. All right. Bye.